Wasn't it great to see Pastor Mike? Amen. And still seeing, there he is. Yeah. Well, listen, we're in the middle of this sermon series called Why, and uh, we're wrestling with some of those big, most commonly asked God questions um, that kind of exist, that people ask. And uh, next week is really going to be a big one. I want to encourage you. Uh, to be here next week, invite a friend and come because this is going to be big. Our own uh, Jeff Caldwell will be speaking and uh, in an area that, that um, um, he spent a lot of time preparing for and, and training for. Uh, Jeff's actually a doctor, um, Dr. Caldwell. I like to affectionately refer to him as Dr. J. And um, if you want to push it a little far, you could call him Dr. JC, but that's way over the top, okay? Uh, but uh, he doesn't like to be called that, referred to that, uh, but he's an amazing guy, and I'm looking forward to uh, that particular message next week. He's going to be talking about uh, why won't God remove my struggle? And uh, all of us, and everybody you know, has, has struggled with something in life. And so I want you to come and be a part of that as, as Jeff takes us into God's Word and, and uh, just begins to speak some truth to us here uh, from the Bible. And so the last week, week number five, we're going to talk about uh, why would God use me, uh, broken, you know, imperfect, messed up me, not just me, but you, all of us, right? Uh, why would God use us? And so that's going to be a big one. I want you to be here uh, for that one as well. But this morning what we're going to talk about is probably the most commonly asked question about God in the history of the world. It's a big one. And uh, chances are pretty good that you've either, you have either asked this question or you know someone that, that has. And, and it kind of falls into this big category of um, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Or you might even say, why would God allow that? Why does God let that happen? Or why doesn't God seem fair? Now, let me ask you to help me out with something here this morning. Um, maybe as a child growing up like myself, you were taught some, some sort of patent prayers, especially prayers at mealtime. Meal maybe you know this one, God is good. Thank you. Come on, help me out here. God is good. Let him thank us, or let, him, let us thank him for our food, right? By his hands, we're fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. And yet when you experience, as you grow a little bit older, the difficulties and the struggles of life, the unfairness of life, sin, death, disease. You find yourself often asking. This is where many people find themselves asking and even losing faith because they ask that question, is God really great? Is God good? God, why do you allow bad things to happen to me? Why do you allow bad things to happen to people that I know? And I wonder this morning, how many of you would very boldly just say, you know, Joe, I've asked that question before. I know people that have asked that question. And you just raise your hand boldly. Just say, yeah, that's, I've, I've been there. Hands going up all over the place. And let me just say, you're, you're in good company because literally people have been asking this question for, for all of history. And matter of fact, if you go into the Old Testament, you'll find that even Abraham asked this question. He said, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? In other words, God, you're the judge of the entire world. Why aren't you fair? And then you've got Moses who said, God, why don't you treat your people as they deserve? 
Jeremiah said this, he said, why do the wicked prosper? It's not fair. The bad people are getting rich and the good people aren't. He's trying to make sense of this. And even David, you can't hardly read through the book of Psalm without finding David somewhere pouring his heart out and asking questions like, God, why don't you answer my prayer? God, where are you? Why don't you show yourself to me? God, why don't you deliver me? God, why don't you seem fair? In 2011, I was working for a, uh, an agency that sent medical and building teams different parts of the world and um, one place that they sent we were able to send a team I was able to lead a team was into Japan after the 2011 uh, earthquake and tsunami hit that country it's reported as the third largest earthquake in the history of the world that that triggered this huge massive tsunami and we were there serving this is an area uh, in Japan in one of the prefectures called Yamada Bay And in this particular bay, if I was to show you a picture, just imagine it had a small inlet into the bay, and then the bay opened up. And if you know anything about what took place with that earthquake and the tsunami that resulted afterwards, you know that three large waves began to rush towards uh, the coast of Japan. And in this particular area, those waves began to ensue into the bay. And what happened is as the waves and the ocean water pushed into the bay, the water level rose to an unbelievable 130 feet above beachhead. Can you imagine a wall of water 130 feet high? The seawall that we stood next to maybe was 15 to 20 feet high. The seawall that they built, that they, they built and prepared to protect their little bay city from being flooded in case this ever happened, it wasn't even close. Here I stand with some young people who stood up on a high hill. This was at a school in Japan. And you look out, if you can barely see behind, that's part of the bay as the water rushed in. Everything was gone. And those kids were at school that day and watched the destruction take place. In 2011, there was also a historical event here in our country. I don't know if you remember or not, but in uh, it was on a May, uh, May 22nd, it was on a Sunday. A lot of people were at graduation uh, ceremonies and, and in Joplin, Missouri, when an F5 massive tornado touched down in the heart of that city. And I, uh, I was able to jump on with some teams that uh, I'd experienced and trained with in Buffalo, Missouri. We had tra- uh, chainsaw crews. We'd served in hurricane, after Hurricane Katrina. And so we mobilized. And again, from Nashville, I joined up in, in Joplin. And I wasn't prepared. I'd seen a lot of stuff, but I'd never seen anything like that. And as I stepped on the ground in Joplin, began to see the devastation, there was nothing for a chainsaw crew hardly to chainsaw. It was just leveled. It was gone. And all around, in both of those instances and so many other examples that I could give you in my life, I've been around those kind of things, those massive, massive things. In in Joplin, when that took place, that's the deadliest tornado in our nation's history since 1947. 158 people died. In the tsunami in Japan, get this, there's still 2,600 people missing. Missing. Just gone. Most of them washed out to sea. And you hear people in those situations standing around and asking, why? Is God good? Is God great? Why did God let this happen? 
in the midst of this? Why did this take place? Why do bad things happen to people? And I want us to talk about that today because that's such a, a huge question. And, and you're going to run into people, if you haven't asked that question yourself or you haven't come through and come to grips with that question in your own faith, you're going to find people who are going to be asking this question as they kind of live through their own personal tsunami or their own personal tornado. And life seems to be just ripping them apart or flooding their soul with grief and despair and hurt and pain. So I want us this morning to look to God's word. And here's what I want to tell you. As a pastor with 20 plus years of experience, and Pastor Mike could join me on stage and he would agree with me wholeheartedly, there is no way we can give you a three-point sermon and a poem to answer every one of your difficult questions pertaining to why would God allow this to happen? Where was God in the midst of this? Why does God let bad things happen to good people? And the truth of the matter is, you and I aren't meant to have all the answers. There will always be things that we can't understand. And I, honestly, I have met people who really struggle with that. And that's where faith has to intersect. And the truth from God's word that we can gain has to intersect. Because if we knew everything, then we'd be God. But we're not. And last time I checked, you weren't either, okay? We're not. But God does give us, he does speak into this some, and he does give us some truth. And let me just say, as I hit these points, and you've got an outline, I want you to take some notes. Not all of these are going to pertain to you in your situation. And I'm not trying to say that if you've got a loved one who's suffering you know, with a disease or struggling with something, that, or Pastor Mike, because of the surgery he had on his neck, that you know, he, one of these situations fits his situation perfectly. But some of these may. Some of these will. Because this is from God's Word, and this is what God's Word teaches us. And so let's just jump right into this. The very first one here, you can write this down. Why are bad things happening? Maybe it's because you're a victim of a broken world. You and I are a victim of a broken world. When you read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, you see that God created the heavens and the earth and all that was in it. And it was good. Man, it was really good. It's hard for us to imagine how good it was because what happened was Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Their rebellious hearts, the rebellious hearts that all of us have, came to the surface. They sinned against God and everything changed. When sin entered this world, there entered in punishment, condemnation, consequences, curses for sin. As a result of the sin in the garden, ladies now experience pain during childbirth. Can I get a high-pitched amen? Okay? Anybody? Right? And my wife reminds me all the time, listen, you have no idea. Right? And we don't. It's probably a good thing men, you know, uh, didn't, didn't get that same kind of punishment because men aren't near as tough as ladies when it comes to experiencing pain. No amens there either? Oh, wow. It's a tough crowd. So pain entered into the into the situation, into the, the world at that point in time. Uh, a, a work, hard work for a farmer to try to, to uh, toil the, or, or till up the soil and to plant and, and, and to get things to grow, crops for food. It became hard, drudgerous work. It was difficult. Because of the sin that entered in the Garden of Eden, so did pain. For the first time in the history of man, there was pain. There was sickness, there was disease, there was sin, sin. 
Sin that causes people to do brutal, unimaginable things. Some of which we've seen come out of the Middle East even this very week. And I won't even begin to describe it, but it involved a jail cell and a public video that went massive. And we see that kind of stuff and we think, that is so barbaric. It's sin that leads people to believe they're following a God and doing right and taking other life in that way. It's barbaric. It's sin. It is the fact that we are victims of a broken, fallen, sin-filled, condemned world. And we like to think to ourselves, man, as Christians, we're going to avoid pain. We're going to avoid the suffering. We're, Jesus is going to make it all right, right? We're going to avoid all this stuff. Look at what Jesus says in John 16, He says, have I told you these things so that in me you may have, I, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace because in this world you will have trouble. In this world, you and I are going to face trouble. We're going to face struggles. We're going to face our own personal tsunamis, our own personal tornadoes, our own personal tragedy. He says, but take heart if you don't hear anything else today. Man, catch this. Catch what Jesus says. He says, take heart. Why? Why? Because I have overcome the world. I've overcome I've overcome the world. Trouble, pain, hard times, things that you and I don't like one bit. All of these things are hard for us to understand. Listen, it's part of us living in this sin-stained, fallen, broken, condemned world. But Jesus says, take heart because I've overcome it. I've overcome it. The truth is, we don't like to talk about death. The only time we think about death is when someone we know, we love, dies, and we're, maybe we're at a funeral. But the truth is, and we all know this, everyone's going to die. Every one of us. It's going to happen. We know it's part, death is part of what entered in after the sin in the Garden of Eden. Or the, the Garden of, yeah, of Eden. So the second thing is, if you would just write this down. The first thing may be that the difficulty or the bad that we're experiencing in life is a result of the sin-filled world that we're living in. The second thing could be this, the fact that you brought it on yourself. Now, aren't you just thankful you came to church today and you're ready to go home? Okay? But here's the deal. I want you to get this. Scripturally speaking, we've, we've got we've to just kind of wrestle with this a little bit. And again, I'm not saying one for one second, okay, that the difficulty or challenge that you're facing is because you, you did something wrong and you brought this on yourself. But can we acknowledge here this morning that there are consequences to sin? Biblically, we know there are consequences to sin. This played out live this week again in another story when a very popular, famous journalist named Brian Williams sits down at a news desk and admits that he lied. He embellished a story that he was crashed on a helicopter in Afghanistan. He lied and tried to give an apology. And what happened? Everything busted open in Brian's life. Yesterday, he basically announced, I'm taking a sabbatical. I'm stepping away from journalism. Because what happened when he admitted to one lie, everybody began to question everything in the man's life and everything he's ever reported on. Brian Williams is not a victim of God being absent in his life. He's a victim of his own sin. He lied. He brought it on himself. 
And there's times, there's moments in our own lives where these kind of things happen. And we've got to acknowledge that that does take, take place. You know, a lot of people would say to me, and I, I'm in youth ministry, this was kind of a big deal, is, you know, if I follow Jesus, Joe, I can't have fun. I can't hang with my friends and do the things my friends like to do. And, and I, I'm just going to miss out on everything. And there's just kind of, you know, all the thrills to life. Listen, God's Word provides guardrails for us in life. And as you read God's Word and you read the Ten Commandments and, and you read the things there, a lot of people think that being a Christian is all about thou shalt not. No, listen. It's about God saying, I love you this much. I want you to avoid the Brian Williams mistake in your life. So that when people try to drag you aside and get you to steer off the road, past the white lines or the guardrails that are there, I want you to avoid the pain that comes from consequences of sin. I want you to avoid that in life. Look at what Scripture says in, in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Why? Because God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whatever or whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You reap what you sow. You've heard it before, right? You reap what you sow, and it's truth. And the truth of the matter is, as you, as you live your life following Christ and you stay within the guardrails, what I have found is there's so much more happiness and joy in life in following Christ than jumping off the side of the road and following my friends. There's peace and there's joy and there's happiness and there's the avoidance of the inevitable consequences of the sin that can come on a person's life. The next thing is this, you can write this down. Maybe, maybe God wants to do something big. And I gotta tell you, in the midst of my difficulties and challenges in life, when I think about this, my, my thought is, but I didn't ask for it, right? I don't want this. I didn't want this challenge. And I didn't want you to do anything big in my life. This hurts too much. This is too difficult. And um, what we see here is maybe that through something that you don't understand, something that you'd never want, something that you'd never ask for, maybe through that God is doing something big. Something big. There's a great story here in, in John chapter 9, verse 3, in which uh, there's a, a person born blind. And people are standing around, like a lot of your friends who possibly would stand around, or maybe even some of you would stand around and say, why in the world would God allow this to happen? And even further, you would say, who sinned, this boy or his parents? Right? Because we've got to blame it on somebody. It's not right. This isn't fair. Somebody done something wrong. This is judgment, right? And so here's where Jesus steps in, and look at what he says. He says, this, is, this was just brand new to them. This blew their minds as people heard his teaching. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Because when this blind boy changed from being blind to being able to see, he had the most incredible testimony. And sometimes the, the difficulty or the challenge that we go through opens the door for us to have a testimony that we've never had before. And it strengthens our faith and it grows in us. And maybe it's the fact that God is trying to do something big in us. 
I told you um, last week, and I, man, I've just I've struggled even with this il- illustration this morning, but I told you about my sister passing away, and I want to be so, so, so clear. She died at the age of 19 in a car accident. Uh, I would do anything to have my sis back and to have not had to have gone through that. But I've got to tell you, and I didn't see this in the midst of it. And when you're in the midst of it, it's hard to see outside of, of the destruction of the tornado. It's, it's hard to see what God might be doing in you and through that situation. But I've got to tell you that what, what I've learned so many years later is that I now relate to people who've lost a sibling like I never would have before. If you're here this morning and you've lost a brother or sister, I can relate to you. Couldn't have done that before. I never knew what it was like to sit down at a table and plan a loved one's funeral. I know what that's like when you go through that. As a result of the the struggle and the difficulty and even the tragedy that I went through, that personal tornado or tsunami that I went through, I... I feel at times that God has allowed me to be a better pastor. Now, did did God cause that so I could be a better pastor? No. My sister died as a result of someone else's sin. She died as a result of a sin-filled, sin-stained, condemned world that we live in. But God took that tragedy and he did something in me. Something I didn't ask for, wouldn't even ask for again, but he's still, he's using it. And maybe God's trying to use you. Maybe God's trying to take and, and do something in and through your life as a result. And the last one here I want to give you, you can write this down and you can just count on this. You can count on this. When you're facing difficulties and challenges in life and you're, you find yourself at that point asking God, why, why, why? Why are bad things happening to me? You can count on this. God is doing something big in you. He's doing something big in us. He is. I never liked this verse, but in James chapter 1, or this, this particular passage, this was always a challenge to me. In James 1, James says that we can consider it pure joy. That word consider could really be translated count. In other words, it adds up. Every time we go through these difficulties, these challenges, they all add up. God's doing something here, and you can consider it pure joy. And you know the difference between joy and happiness, right? He doesn't, James doesn't say, be happy about it, because you can't. When you're in the midst of those struggles and those difficulties, it's hard to be happy when you're sitting at home in a neck brace, right, Pastor Mike? I mean, it's, it's tough, but you can find moments of joy. Why? Because James says whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance. Consider that because it's developing that. God, don't miss this. God does not take joy or comfort in your suffering. God doesn't take comfort in my suffering. The tsunami that took place in 2011, God didn't bring that because he was judging a person or a group or even a religion. God stood by. And and I'd like to think that God stood by broken and watched what happened because we live in a judged, condemned, sin-filled world. And one day, one day, if you haven't already done so, you're going to find yourself in the midst of your own tsunami, your own tornado. In the midst of it, you're going to find yourself asking God why. God, are you really good? 
God, are you really great? And the answer to that question, I want you to know the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Yes, God is good. God is great. Because God is not defined by the the events of a tsunami. God is not defined by the events of a tornado in Joplin, Missouri. He is not defined by the events of what you're facing in your life, your own trials, your own difficulties, your own struggles. You want to know what God is defined by? He's defined by a Roman cross and his son hanging on that cross. His son who has taken on the sins of the world. He's taken on your sins and my sins and our wrongs. You see, when Christ died on the cross, he flipped death upside down because he didn't stay dead. In three days, he arose. He arose from the grave and he's a living savior. He conquered hell, death, and the grave so that we can have hope, so that we can have peace, so that we can have life in him. Life is stronger than death. Good is stronger than evil. Faith is stronger than doubt. And today, maybe God is saying to you, trust me because I am good. I am great. I am full of grace and full of mercy. And the reason I sent my son is so that you could have hope, so that you could have life in me. I want to ask you to stay.